0: Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We praise you that there is more than one language to worship you, to praise you, that you will ultimately bring together people of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and we will stand before your throne. We will stand before your glory. We will know as we are known. We will see you face to face. In the meantime, you've given us to be here, that your glory would be known on the face of this earth. And so, Lord, give us strength we don't have, give us words we don't have, give us wisdom and grace that is not our own but is entirely of your spirit as we recognize who you are and we worship you in our day-to-day. Thank you for your word given to us. Lay it at your feet tonight, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. We have before us a few simple verses tonight. The close of a letter. As Paul signs off, and and we finally reach the end of a book, and as you probably know the feeling, you've reached the end of a book in Scripture, and you go, "Shoo, boy, I got through it, didn't I? Right? Generally, when we see the close of a letter, it, it... it takes on a certain form and function, doesn't it? When you're writing a letter and you you sign off and you use words like sincerely or thanks again or love or one of my favorites in Christ and then you you sign your name, right? There are, there are often words that are chosen without too much forethought. You're you're just closing off your letter. You want to find a way to do it. This is the end of the letter. You you choose those words just to say That's all, folks. And in reading them, we don't tend to think too much about it. When we see the word sincerely so-and-so at the end of a letter, you don't really think, how sincere were they, right? It's just words chosen to end the writing. But as we will see as we dig into these verses a little bit, Paul has carefully chosen his words in closing this book. His final words to the Philippians, they reflect what he has been talking with them about throughout this entire letter. As he expresses to us today that we we ought to be greeters and gracers. Greeters and gracers. Yes, I made up the word gracers. Gracers. We should be those who are unified in in love and mind, warmly encouraging our family in Christ and praying God's best for them. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians if you haven't done that yet. Philippians chapter 4, a few simple verses. Let's stand up as we read. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 21, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The reading of God's word, go ahead and be seated. Throughout this book, Paul has been speaking with the Philippians about their, their unity of mind and their partnership, their their Unity uh, together as a family in Christ and in that gospel mission. He has been praying for them that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. We get that from chapter one, verse nine. He's been telling them in chapter two, one through three, he says to them, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, for others more significant than yourselves. He's been commending them. When they showed that thoughtful love toward himself, that unity of mind. He uses that in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoiced. There it is, Philippians four, ten. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern, that, that unity of mind, that unity in love for me. He's been urging them, particularly Euodia and Syntyche, to agree together in the Lord, chapter 4, verse 2. Oops, that's not chapter 4, verse 2. A major theme of this whole letter being found in that poetic reading in chapter 2 where he tells them to love each other as Christ loved you. Humbly, selflessly, and all the way to the cross. Paul is looking for them this church of Philippi, to have unity of love in Christ. As we read the letters that Paul has written, we, we see that Paul has several times set himself up for us as an example of what it is to be a Christian, haven't we? We saw that in the book of Acts as he was speaking to the elders at Ephesus. He, he showed them just what it is to walk According to our faith. First Corinthians chapter 11:1, he says it very plainly, "Be imitators of me as I am of Christ." And then here in our book of Philippians chapter three, verse 17, he says, "Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us." And in our passage today, He gives greetings and grace. He gives greetings and grace as one last example for the Philippians to follow through on. We are to be those who greet and grace those around us, encouraging and building one another up with personal warmth and hospitality. Because we are each one of us special unto the Lord and a family in Christ Jesus. Let's let's look carefully at verse 21 here and recognize the implications of of God's words to us through Paul. Chapter 4, verse 21, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Starts with the word greet. In that word, greet, Paul gives us an imperative. Do you remember what an imperative is? An imperative is not a request or a suggestion. Paul is not saying to them, if you'd like to, it'd be nice if you would. Paul is saying, do this. Greet. This is not an option. I really want you to follow through on this action. Greet every saint in christ jesus don't tell me you're an introvert or give me some other kind of an excuse do it greet each other that's what paul's saying to them and this word for greet that he uses in its original language it implies more than a a walking down the hall and hey how you doing got that over with right It's more than say hi. At its root is a meaning of a warm embrace. Greet. Give a a warm embrace. The kind of action that you take with someone that you love. Written in a letter, it is a substitute for greeting and embracing in personal encounters. It expresses sincere attachment in separation and thus serves to strengthen personal relationship. That's the word Paul uses here for greet. As much as he could from prison, Paul was mailing them an affectionate hug, a warm embrace. He says, greet every, Greet every. You've heard it said that all means all and that's all all means, right? Greet every. Paul wants to be sure that every last one of these Philippians receives his love, his warm embrace from afar. That each one of them is greeted personally and reminded of his fellowship with them in Jesus Christ. And that no one, Is left out. This Philippian church, it was uh, having its fair share of internal issues, wasn't it? We see that in Euodia and Syntyche. We we saw them earlier. This idea of uh, the possibility, a lot of scholars say that this Philippian church was, might have been in a little bit of turmoil, and the possibility of church division in Philippi can also be seen in Paul's pleas that they become more unified in a Christ-like love and and Christ-like mindedness with one another. Unlike other letters that Paul writes, Paul doesn't specify anyone in particular here to be greeted if we were to look at uh, Romans chapter 16. He's talking about very specific people. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ, who risked their necks for my life. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epenetus. And the first convert to Christ in Asia, greet Mary. He specifies all these specific people to be greeted in that book of Romans. But here he doesn't. Here he just, he, he, he doesn't exclude anyone. He doesn't say, oh, make sure you're Syntyche and Yodia, make sure they make up before you greet them from me. Paul keeps his greetings for these Philippians, this entire church at Philippi, for all of them, each one of them, unilaterally. Because we aren't called to love only the ones that make us feel good. We aren't called to greet only those who greet us. And Paul wants to promote unity in the body of Christ at Philippi. Paul wants to promote unity in the body at Alden Union Church. So we are to, to greet every saint. Greet every saint. What is a saint? That word comes from a word meaning holy. And it comes with a qualifying statement here, doesn't it? Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So Paul here is talking about giving an affectionate greeting, a warm embrace to anyone who has been made holy or set apart unto God in Christ Jesus. Anyone who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Anyone who has been dressed in a righteousness that is not their own, but one that depends on faith in Christ. Just as Paul had been talking about in chapter three of this very book, he says, indeed, I, uh, wait, no, let's go back to, uh, verse seven. Whatever gain I had, he says, Verse 7 of chapter 3. I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Having a righteousness, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. These are the people, those with a holiness that is not dependent upon their own personal goodness or achievements but a holiness given to them by God as a gift, by the the grace and mercy of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross and in the hope of his resurrection. Those are the ones that he's saying to greet every single one of them. Every saint in Christ Jesus. And if our sainthood, our holiness and righteousness is a gift by faith in Christ not by works. And as Paul tells us in Ephesians, none of us should be boasting, right? I am no better than any other person who walks through those doors. But for the grace of God, I'd be just as lost as anybody who's choosing not to worship God today. I'm no better than the next guy because I'm only saved by grace myself. And I'm brought together with the people around me, the people next to me in this service, right here and right now, by grace. And so we greet every saint in Christ Jesus because we are a family in Christ. Verse 21 again, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Brothers, could be easily translated brothers and sisters, the the, the ones in Christ Jesus who are with me right now, they greet you. What do you think of when you hear the word family? Who is your family? Usually it brings about images of of hearth and home, right? Family vacations, Christmas gatherings, another holiday meal, siblings, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, right? Right? That's about it. It's a fairly close-knit and closed circle. Often it comes with family secrets, right? We we don't let just anybody into the family. They've got to be related by blood or marriage. If they're not related by blood or marriage, they're not a part of the family. Might as well put signs up, stay out, right? In the church, we certainly are a family by blood. And that blood is required to be a part of the family, to be considered a saint set apart in Christ Jesus. But it is not our blood. We are a family of adoptions. Every last one of us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him and things in heaven and things on earth. We have been set apart and adopted, brought together as a family by the blood of Christ. You know what that means? That family circle... We aren't allowed to close the circle. We aren't allowed to say who can get into the inner circle of this family because we aren't the ones who opened it up. It was not my blood that was sacrificed for the lost. It wasn't any of our blood, was it? It was the blood of Christ, uh, and in Christ alone, salvation is by faith in Christ alone and the circle has been opened to anyone who would receive Jesus Christ as their personal lord and savior. Romans 10:11 through 13 it says for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same lord is lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. He loved the world in this way, that He gave His only Son. That whoever... I, I personally love the translation that uses the word whosoever. Just have open wide. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so the family extends here beyond the church walls and even into the household of Caesar himself. Verse 22 says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Caesar's household, but that means they're Roman, those aristocratic uppities who think they're better than everyone else, and their citizenship is better than everyone else because they were simply born at the right place at the right time. They eat unclean things. They like that raucous contemporary music with the lutes and lyres. They're too old, and they don't like me. They think differently than I do. Their culture, it's all messed up. To use a word with rich theological meaning, they are icky. (laughs) And icky was chosen by God. They are chosen by God to belong to Himself, to be just as adopted as you and I are. Not by their own merit, but by the blood of Christ shed for them. Whatever earthy differences there might be, when the Father looks upon whoever they might be, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed in their place inasmuch as they have received him as their Lord and Savior. What do we see when we look at him or her? Do we keep at the front of our mind that everyone here amongst us, everybody who comes to our doors is either a child of God or a potential child of God? Or do we just see different? Do we simply see they are not like me? We need to see each other for who we really are. In Christ, saints. Saints. In Christ, a family. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. Adopted into the family of God by His blood. Forgiven and righteous. Lavished by His grace. As Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. And we are called to follow Paul's example. And bless each other. Verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit, he says to them. We are called to to pray God's best for them. We are called to, to pray God's guidance and God's wisdom for them. To pray God's gifts, his grace for them. To support them and to encourage them. You'll notice in this particular prayer, Paul didn't do it in his prayer closet. That's a great place to be. But on this occasion, he prayed it out loud for them to read, for them to see, for them to hear, that they would know that there is a brother across the ocean, or wherever he might have been at that point, in Rome, there in Philippi, over there, that that loves them, that sends them a warm embrace, and who who is in prayer for them. We are called to be those who greet and grace those around us with personal warmth and hospitality, building each other up and encouraging each other in our continued walk with Jesus Christ because we are a family knit together, not by things that perish, not by things that fall apart, but by the imperishable blood of our Savior, each one chosen and precious in his sight. Are we ready to reach out? I tell you what, I, I thank God for those who have brought to life the greeters' ministry that we have going on. Have you noticed that in the mornings? I've, I've noticed it, and I, I just can see and feel a difference as people are walking through the doors, and, and there's, there's just, it's a blessing. I cannot commend them enough, but but don't think that this business of, of a warm greeting is only for them to do, or, or only for you if you're serving in that ministry just for the month that you're serving there. Let's not have a programmatic or obligatory warmth. I'm greeting you because I'm told to. I have to, but But be transformed in our thinking. To be matured in Christ and have a real love to start to really see people differently. Everybody who walks through our doors, young and old, new and long-standing members, unilaterally with, with no one left out, should leave our church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and say, wow, there's something different there. Those people didn't just say hi but they they really seemed to care that I was there. And then they should come back the next week to see if we do it again and find out that we really do care because we understand that we are a family in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this family given to us. And Lord, as families do, we we fuss and we fight and we disagree. But Lord, we praise you that you have knit us together by things far more sacred than opinions or, or desires or ways of doing things or programs or whatever it might be. Lord, you have knit us together by something everlasting, something eternal, the blood of your Son. And Lord, help us to keep our eyes on that. Help us to keep our eyes on on you as we keep our eyes on you to see each other in you, to see each other in Christ, and to love each other, to be unified in mind as Paul has called us to through his letter. Thank you, Lord, for for inspiring by your Spirit these words that you had Paul lay down, that we too would know them, learn from them, be matured by them, and live them out. Lord, give us strength to do these things. In Christ's name, amen.